The Holy Gospel according to Luke, the 16th chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. Then Jesus said to the disciples, There was a rich man who had a manager, and charges were brought to him that this man was squandering his property. So he summoned him and said to him, What is this that I hear about you? Give me an accounting of your management, because you cannot be my manager any longer. Then the manager said to himself, What will I do now that my master is taking the position away from me? I am not strong enough to dig, and I am too ashamed to beg. I have decided what to do, so that when I am dismissed as manager, people may welcome me into their homes. So summoning his master's debtors one by one, he asked the first, How much do you owe your master? He answered, A hundred jugs of olive oil. He said to him, Take your bill, sit down quickly, and make it fifty. Then he asked another, And how much do you owe? He replied, A hundred containers of wheat. He said to him, Take your bill and make it eighty. And his master commended the dishonest manager because he had acted shrewdly. For the children of this age are more shrewd in dealing with their own generation than are the children of light. And I tell you, make friends for yourselves by means of dishonest wealth, so that when it is gone, they may welcome you into the eternal homes. Whoever is faithful in a very little is faithful also in much, and whoever is dishonest in very little is dishonest also in much. If then you have not been faithful with the dishonest wealth, who will entrust you to you the true riches? And if you have not been faithful with what belongs to another, who will give you what is your own? No slave can serve two masters, for a slave will either hate the one and love the other, or be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Please be seated. Grace and peace to you from our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Is anybody else confused by our Gospel reading for today? (laughs) Uh, If so, you are not alone. Uh, There is really no consensus among biblical scholars about what exactly we should conclude from the story of the dishonest manager. Um, I take some comfort in what St. Augustine himself said about this reading. He said, I can't believe that this story came from the lips of our Lord. (laughs) But just to recap our story, there's a manager who's been accused of squandering his boss's property, and that seems like a bad thing, right? And he's faced with losing his job, and so he hatches a plan. Uh, Unbeknownst to his boss, he invents his own debt forgiveness program. He calls in his boss's clients who owe the boss money, and he kind of cooks the books. He tells one, you owe 100 jugs of olive oil, make it 50. To another, you owe 100 containers of wheat, make it 80. He ingratiates himself to these clients at his boss's expense so that once he's unemployed, they'll have some people that would be willing to return the favor and take him in. That also seems bad. And at the end of all this, after he squandered his boss's wealth and been a poor manager and lost him even more money in cutting all these deals, the boss of all things commends him. Weird. It is really unclear what to make of this story and its outcome, and whether this manager should be praised or blamed. And it doesn't even seem that Luke is exactly clear on this either, because after the parable, he draws a series of varying conclusions that 
The manager should be commended because he acted shrewdly, that we should make friends by means of dishonest wealth, that you should be faithful in little so you're faithful in much, that you can't serve God and wealth. It's a strange story and probably the most perplexing of Jesus' parables. And it's open to a range of interpretations. You know, perhaps the master himself was unfair and taking advantage of people and the manager sort of righted a wrong. Maybe in this case, shrewdness really is the key. The manager acted in the best interests of himself and others, but at the expense of his boss. Or as my wife Jenny offered, maybe it reflects how sometimes bad actors win and are praised and rewarded. Maybe it captures some of the unfairness of life. There's probably a range of quite valid interpretations just among all of us here this morning as we heard the reading. And like all Scripture, we might see one thing in this story today and something else entirely later. The reading is, to say the least, ambiguous, which is kind of what I like about it, in the same way that I like books or movies with ambiguous meanings and endings. Um, Jenny and I have this running debate about books and movies and shows. Jenny likes shows that tie up in a neat bow that have the epilogue and the happily ever after, and I, should, I know exactly what this meant and what happened later, and everything all worked out in the end. But I like shows that are a little more open to interpretation, a little more ambiguous, where you have to dig in to maybe think about the meanings or multiple meanings, stories that don't offer easy explanations or conclusions. And I think that's part of the point of this story. It's not exactly clear what's right or wrong, and in that way, it mirrors the ambiguity of business and life. In a way, maybe there's a little comfort here for us. For unlike some suggest, having faith doesn't mean that we somehow download and install all the answers to life, and then everything becomes clear and we know what to do in every situation. In fact, faith often makes things more complicated. Faith introduces a number of additional considerations into any situation. What does God want from me? What does God want for others? How do I serve my neighbor in this instance? How does this impact not only me and my family, but my community and the world? How do I use my skills and resources for the greater good? What is the real meaning of success, of value, of wealth and service? We find ourselves in these kinds of situations all the time, choosing between the better of two goods or the lesser of two evils, needing to ensure our well-being but not wanting to do that at the expense of somebody else. You know, this week I was uh, talking to somebody that had been working at the same company for 40 years and he's just a handful of months away from retirement. So he's been looking back a lot on his years of work and he said that there were times in his work that he was faced with difficult decisions, that a decision had to be made, and it wasn't exactly clear what the best decision was. He said, I either had to turn right or I had to turn left. I either had to take option B or option A, or A and B, whichever order you like to put those in. Uh, and he, uh, he said he made, tried to make the best decision he could with the information that he had at the time, and sometimes that turned out well and was the right course, and sometimes it didn't. And he had to backtrack and fix the problems when they arose. He said the right choice at any given moment is rarely clear. It may not be clear for some time until things shake out. Or in some cases, we may never know. This parable doesn't give us an easy answer. There's no 
decision tree that we can follow. There's no one plus one equals two here. But we do have the larger testimony in Scripture to which our reading from Amos belongs. Readings about how we use wealth, how we transact business, how we steward the resources in our care. One commentator writes of the reading from Amos. He says, this passage from Amos gives us guidelines for how to live our faith in the marketplace by dealing honestly, buying and selling for fair prices, and always being careful to protect those most vulnerable to exploitation. Dealing justly, generously, and honestly with others in our business life is one important way to reflect the character of the God of justice who speaks through the prophets. And the scriptures are loaded with this kind of wisdom, right? Love your neighbor as you love yourself. Do unto others as you'd have them do unto you. Consider how your work affects not only the individual, but the community and the planet. Remember that the value we are trying to create is not just the bottom line. Treat your constituents, your bosses, your colleagues, your reports, your clients, and even your competition with empathy, dignity, and respect. Remember to unplug and take Sabbath time so you can recharge. Don't run yourself or your employees into the ground. Remember the needs of the poor. Plan ahead. Be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. Remember not to serve two masters. Keep God at the center of who you are and what you do. And it goes on and on from the laws of the Torah to the injunctions of the prophets to the sayings of Jesus who talked about money more than anything except the reign of God. How we live out these things will look different for each of us, depends on our context, our callings, our works, and sometimes, and maybe a lot of times, like in the gospel, it is unclear exactly how we do it. Um, Many of my thoughts about religion and business, such as they are, Uh, were shaped by my late friend Ron Thiemann, who was the dean of Harvard Divinity School when I was there, uh, who wrote and thought a lot about religion in public life and religion in business. Um, And until his passing, Ron directed a program called the Business Across Religious Traditions Program, which began as a collaboration between Harvard Divinity School and Harvard Business School and brought together faith and business leaders to explore the intersection of religion and business. And Ron felt that business was profoundly misunderstood and utilized in the church. He told me that um, he'd visit business leaders uh, who were also donors and churchgoers, and they would say that their congregations really didn't understand what they did and therefore didn't tap into the knowledge and the skills they had accumulated through their work. There was, he said, often a great deal of misunderstanding between business and religion. Sometimes business and religion are depicted as being at odds with one another and Sometimes they are. Sometimes religious critiques of business can be scattershot and sloppy, which they can. And it's altogether too easy either to say the church is not a business or faith has no place in the marketplace. But the biblical writers did not distinguish or separate one from the other because that was not their experience. They were and are part, they, those things were and are part of the whole of our lives. And that's why it's addressed so frequently in the Bible. Rather than compartmentalizing the various parts of our lives as a response to our faith, the biblical writers looked at our whole lives and asked faith questions about all of it. How am I to live and to work and to parent and to lead and to make my way through a world in light of my faith rather than apart from it? 
And their questions are still our questions today. Finally, the part of the reading that grabbed me the most this week, probably the, the least confusing line of the entire passage, was the small line that said, whoever is faithful in very little is faithful also in much. When we ask these questions, when we practice our faith, faith in the business place or navigate our world through, navigate our way through the economy, we can in small ways every day make choices that will help us to be rooted in faith when bigger challenges arise. Uh, one of my former parishioners who was an engineer once said that small changes are important because they show us that bigger changes are possible. And small acts of love and kindness show us that larger acts of love and kindness are also possible. Uh, Mother Teresa famously said, not all of us can do great things, but we can all do small things with great love. And so, let us seek to make our way faithfully through our daily work, whatever that work may be, serving God and neighbor, wrestling with the questions, living with the ambiguities, seeking to be faithful in the little things each day, so that at the end of the day and the end of our earthly journey, we will know that we have been faithful in much. Amen.